Hey friend, motherhood gets hard, entrepreneurship gets hard, but together we can do hard things. This is the Mom CEO Suite. In the suite, there's no shade and no shaming, just sharing and support so we can all thrive at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Felicia, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. Join me as I share my journey, challenges, and aha moments, along with the experiences and expertise of other modern-day moms in business. Welcome to the suite. We are here with a very special guest today. Our guest is Miss Kirsten Allen, and she is an experienced sales and marketing leader who has contributed millions of dollars to Fortune 500 tech companies over the span of her career. Her corporate success and longstanding entrepreneurial spirit are what led to the formation of her company, the K. Allen Agency. And what started as a marketing consulting firm has now evolved into a business and leadership coaching practice that is laser focused on helping entrepreneurs generate quality corporate leads on LinkedIn. Kirsten, how are you today? I am doing well, Felicia. Thanks so much for having me and for that warm introduction. It's always great to hear it again, and I appreciate how you read it. So thank you. <laughs> no, not, right. You hear your bio, and you're like, oh, my goodness, is that me? Right, right, right. <laughs> so let's do a little bit of an icebreaker. Let's do our this or that questions to start off, okay? I'll give you two options, and you just give me the first one that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. So are you watching Grammy Awards or Academy Awards? Grammys. Really? I don't think I've ever actually watched the Grammys. So that's interesting. Okay. Team outing or a virtual meeting? Ooh. Um, team outing. Team outing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of virtual stuff happening. I think everybody is like, okay, let me connect with some people. Right. Okay. Fancy restaurant or home cooked meal? Oh, these are some good ones because I like both. But Fancy restaurant. I like to catch the vibes. Oh, yeah. right. And another reason I don't have to cook, I will take it. <laughs> so I gave like a high level introduction of you and your business. But from your perspective, just introduce yourself. Tell us about who you are, your business, and really tap into what it's like coming from the corporate world and starting your business. Yes. Okay. So I'm so glad to be speaking to all of you guys. My name is Kirsten Allen, as we already shared, owner and CEO of the K. Allen Agency, also Kirsten J. Allen Consulting. And really what we do is, like Felicia said, I pride myself on helping people demystify marketing and visibility and help themselves show up in the best way possible. So why that does look like LinkedIn for entrepreneurs, there are also opportunities where we help sales professionals get in front of their ideal clients using the platform where we help career professionals who want to position themselves on LinkedIn as a viable person to pursue career opportunities. So I'm all about, no matter which type of person I'm helping, helping people create that marketing and visibility, whether it's themselves or their products or services. I think that it's all marketing. That's the way that I think about it. And I know for some people, it's not a strong suit of really positioning themselves and understanding the lingo and the right ways to put themselves out there. And that's the gap that I feel for you, whether you're an entrepreneur or someone that's a corporate hero, which you all have my heart as well. Um, so actually, I started my business alongside of my nine to five. So I didn't shift out. I didn't say, you know, like, 
oh, here's my two weeks notice. I'm going on to entrepreneurship. I actually like the things that I do on the corporate side and really just internally had this desire to become an entrepreneur in my business and start a passion that I wanted to fill with the things that I was already doing and helping to make millions for other companies, right? So I decided that I could do both. I didn't feel it had to be one or the other. So um, that was really my transition for me. And it made it so much easier and smoother because I was able to learn all the things that I needed to know about entrepreneurship. Because in the beginning, I felt like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like, running my own business, this is great. I didn't think about the ups and downs, the things that you don't know, the coaching, the training, and all of that stuff. I had no idea about that. And I think that would have been so much more pressure if I would have just kind of jumped off the deep end. So more power definitely to the folks who do it. And I know everyone has their own journey of how they ended up into entrepreneurship. And for me, it was just really about pursuing an opportunity that I was passionate about. I didn't hate my job. I didn't feel like, you know, I got to get out of here. Nothing like that. I just had a burning passion in me to do something on my own and really express my leadership in my business. So it was a um, and rather than an or for me. I love that. I love that it's and and not or because especially on social media, you hear so many people promoting, oh, quit your job, start your business. And it's like, no, that does not have to be the path for everyone, especially like you said, if you have a job or you have a career that you love, you know. So I, I absolutely love that you are doing both. And I was one of those people who jumped out there, right, and quit the job because I didn't like it. But to what you said, there were so many challenges. And I did a podcast episode about if I could redo entrepreneurship, the things that I would do. So I think it's very smart and strategic to keep your job while you are still kind of building that business if you choose to at some point split off and be full time into entrepreneurship. So I absolutely love that. Now, you know, a lot of people know you for LinkedIn and B2B contracts. So why is it that you advocate for it and what's the benefit of B2B contracts? Yes. So it's probably not hard to tell since I'm the person that's like, yeah, I still like corporate. You know, I like what I do. But I also feel that it's an opportunity. What I feel that my purpose or one of my talents and one of the ways that I help people is that I understand the corporate lingo and I see the gaps. So my connection to corporate is a direct benefit to my clients. So when I'm telling them like, hey, you need to be going after X, Y, and Z, that's because I'm already seeing it on the inside. And I see the inner workings of how the conversation happened, how, you know, this step happen, how they chose this person over that person, and I'm taking it directly back to my clients. So I think that it's a huge opportunity because most of us who have the magic are so quiet. We're in the background. We're not really, you know, promoting ourselves. We're feeling like we're not good enough. What we're actually, we actually are. I did a post on my Facebook a couple of weeks ago, probably at this point, about um, we needed to hire a graphic designer to do some work on our team. This is a large company. So yes, we do have graphic designers, but with a large company, sometimes it's easier just to contract the work out, right? So we were looking for someone. And it's a, it was a very basic ask. Like we basically already had the logo design. We just needed someone to make it pretty. That was really all we needed. And that particular banner, the quote that the company gave us was $800 for a basic email banner, like no frills, none of the stuff that I see a lot of probably the listeners here putting out on social media today and $800. 
So that was one of the moments where I was like, wait a minute. Hey, we need to be getting some of these opportunities because not only are we excellent, but we can easily be landing these opportunities to build our businesses, to do the things that we want to in the end game of life, because we all run a business for a particular reason. It's not just to say we have a company. We do it, whether it's to leave a legacy for our children, whether to have financial freedom, whatever it looks like, right? So we need to be serious about that end goal. And these type of opportunities can be game-changing. So whether it's, you know, doing some really easy design work that you could probably do like the back of your hand or getting larger contracts where you're consulting and literally just telling people like, hey, I think that you could be doing this better, you know, really leveraging your years of expertise that you've either given to your own company or to others and taking that and monetizing it. And I think the easiest way to do that or one of the most beneficial ways to diversify is to get into B2B. Now, where I think people often get afraid is they don't know the language and they feel like, oh, this is scary. I'm not ready for that. But confidence is key. And really the steps that I walk people through, some of it is very tactical and it's only things that you're going to understand if you're working with someone who can help you. But it's not something that's impossible, right? It's really a lot simpler probably than most of you are thinking if you have the proper support in getting there. So I'm a huge advocate for it because I think we have the expertise already inside of us. We have the frameworks, we have the processes, and we deserve to go after some of these opportunities. We just need to get up to the plate. So that Absolutely is- love that. And you answered a question that I was like thinking in my head, why do you think some people are scared or not confident going into it? But you answered that question and just having that exposure from someone like you who is on the inside, like you mentioned before, can be game changing because it can build up that confidence because you're coaching them, you're providing them with that support. And a lot of times I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we're solopreneurs, we're trying to do it all on our own. And that's where we go wrong because you don't know what you don't know, right? And of course you're going to be intimidated going into these different spaces. And so I think Um, Having a strategist like you for this space, if it's unknown to you, is so beneficial. And so I know with B2B, LinkedIn is one of the more popular platforms that people use to engage and get introduced. And so for someone who is looking to prepare for these B2B opportunities, what are some of the ways that they can just optimize their LinkedIn profile a little bit to be attractive to who's looking? Yeah. So I have so many things, but I'm going to boil them down to what I feel are the most important things. So number one is to, first of all, just take a look at your profile and see what it communicates to you. If you if you weren't the person that created the profile, how does it look to you when you first visualize it? Does it look like something that says, hmm, I know exactly what you do? Or does it look all over the place? And if you really can't step outside of yourself, ask a friend like, hey, take a look at my page and let me know what does this truly say to you, okay? So that's gonna be the first thing that I would say is really just take a look. And then when you're optimizing your profile, you wanna make sure that one, it's not regurgitating your resume. That is one of my pet peeves. I do not like when people use LinkedIn and just list the same little boring stuff that they have on your resume. Really use it as an opportunity to showcase you as your personal brand. So how I like to use LinkedIn and encourage my clients to do it is use it as an opportunity to build further credibility with the people that are your ideal clients, your referral partners, whoever that may be. So 
Tell more about your story. Show a little personality. A lot of times I hear people say, oh, I feel like LinkedIn is stuffy and boring. Don't make it stuffy and boring. Like bring your flavor, bring your attitude, your personality to the platform. And those type of personal stories, that personal content, that personal brand style content really resonates and does well on LinkedIn. So sharing those type of stories can be helpful. And when you're also thinking about optimizing your profile, uh, the about section is one piece that I talk to a lot of my clients about because you'll often just see like a little short paragraph that just says like, um, you know, company coach, finance coach, you know, helping entrepreneurs do X, Y, and Z. That's great, but it really doesn't tell me anything. So your about section should be a place where you tell more about your why. I tell my clients to start with, why did you get into this? Like what sparked that? For me in entrepreneurship, the story that I always tell is as a young girl, I was the one with the neighborhood lemonade stand. I was the one that was selling candy or whatever else in school to my friends. So that type of entrepreneur spirit was always a part of me. So it's been a part of my identity. So that's what really led me to this point. It's a funny story, but it also is unique to me. So when you think about lemonade stands, you're probably going to think about you know, 12-year-old me with the sign and the little stand pouring lemonade, right? It's just something, again, to build that bridge of connection. If you're a mom like we are, you know, telling those stories and showing people what it's like to run a business as a mother, those type of things LinkedIn loves to see and people love to connect with, especially in our world today. So really thinking about your profile is not just a resume or not just somewhere where you're trying to get a job, but using it as a personal brand and talking about your stories and really sharing yourself as a results-driven person. So talk about the wins that you've gotten for your clients, even if they're not necessarily monetary, even if it's something that's more qualitative that happened with them. Share those things. So those are just some of the a few things that you can do to really make yourself stand out. But when in doubt, make sure that it's not just a repeat of your resume. I think that is so funny. He said a boring resume. But yes. I, I think LinkedIn does have that reputation. I know I had the thought that it is stuffy and that you have to be corporate and you can't really show too much of your personal life or your personality. So hearing from you that you should, it's, it's probably like, a sigh of relief for people listening. So I hope y'all were taking notes and I hope you're going to go ahead and make those updates to your LinkedIn profile. And you have an audit, right? Yep. So I do do audits for LinkedIn profiles and I enjoy doing them. I literally sit there and I'm like, all right, hey, this, here's what you need to do. I kind of roll up my sleeves and get in with you. So if you're like, this sounds great. I love that. You know, I might do a few things here, but I want someone to have a look on it then you can definitely, we'll have all of my links available where you can look at options to do that. But yeah, that's a great start to getting your LinkedIn optimized and activated quickly. So yes, when in doubt, just don't do the resume, just, you know, make it, make it fun. And also I want to share like some of the top performing pieces of content that I've seen on LinkedIn have been like the most unorthodox things that you probably would never think would be on LinkedIn. One was actually a photo of a breastfeeding mom, like sharing mm -hmm. her postpartum journey. And the post went off like it was one of the top posts of the year. I think it was in 2021. Um, so you would never think that people would share that side of them. 
but people immediately gravitated towards it because you don't see it, right? So you got to think about kind of LinkedIn like that. Also, what are people not doing and not sharing? Not in an inappropriate way, but, you know, just things that would really stand out and connect with people. How can you share that story on your platform and be able to get more visibility? So that's another piece of it being kind of stuffy and corporate. That's actually kind of good because maybe you can come in with some flair and that's really going to stand out to folks. That is such a great point. Standing out in a space that's known for a certain thing and you come in and you get recognized because you're not fitting in. I absolutely love that. Now, outside of the LinkedIn profile, I know there's a ton of ways that you have to get prepared for B2B. So what are just some other, you know, just high level, some ways that people can prepare for B2B? And from your experience being on the inside, the people who are hiring, what are they really looking for when they're putting out requests for yeah. work? Yeah. So in addition to your LinkedIn, you also want to make sure that your online presence is um, very solid. So shout out to my brand designers and, you know, the people who work on websites, all of those great things, because they're going to love this piece because they're all about your digital brand. So that is important in B2B because they do Google, they do look you up and, you know, check out things to see if you're really, you know, who you say you are. So you want to look at that. And I'm not saying you have to go and spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on a full overhaul of your brand and all of that. But start as you can, you know, with your basic website or even a landing page. Like I have a landing page right now um, because I'm in, I had a website and kind of just transitioning to something new. So in the meantime, landing page, it works, right? It has enough great information. You can utilize them to really be very eye-catching and not cost you a lot of money. Having a minimal viable brand with somewhere that they can find you online with your website, with having your LinkedIn profile looking well, if you have any type of, you know, YouTube videos or something like that, just as, start with Googling yourself and kind of seeing what comes up, but making sure that as people look you up, they see things that will enhance your brand. So you don't want to have anything looking janky. You don't want to have a bunch of broken links, especially if you're doing outreach. So just doing a little bit of due diligence to make sure that that presence is key is going to help you. And again, like I said, it does not have to be extravagant. I'm sure, um, especially people who do government contracts and things like that, you probably look on their website. It is basic, but it's there. So having that will help you. And then as you move along and start, you know, getting recurring revenue and feeling good about it, you'll continue to invest in yourself. So start with that just minimum viable branding online website social media, et cetera. Then I will also say the second piece is to have a capability statement. And oftentimes you hear this in the government contracting space, but uh, corporate organizations sometimes look for them as well. And a capability statement is basically like a resume for your business, but again, with a little flair, because I don't like boring. Um, but the capability statement just outlines what are the core competencies that your company has. So if it's web design, if it's marketing consulting, if it's financial coaching, whatever it is, highlighting those things as well as how people can get in touch with you and a, a little bit of background and history on your company. So there are many different templates that you can use. You can also leverage your certifications if you have them or your specific codes that relate to your business. But all of that are things that you can look up and kind of see different templates online to see what makes sense for you. So you would have that together because people are going to ask about it, especially if you connect with supplier diversity managers or, you know, folks who really help small businesses get into companies. 
you're going to want to have that capability statement. So that's the second piece that you want to have. And then I would say after you kind of have those pieces together, obviously you want to know what your offer looks like and how you're going to deliver and serve. That will be before you even start creating all these assets. What are, what's the package that you're going to offer them with and make sure that you validated it. So go out and talk to some of these decision makers, talk to people who are in your industry and make sure that this is something they need, something they typically buy, you know, and making sure that before you put all this time in that you actually have a validated offer. So that would be the very first piece. And then, you know, putting those assets into place, you should be good to go and then have a strategy for how you're going to reach out, how you're going to connect with the companies who are ideal for your services. That's going to be most important. And that's where you can really lean on LinkedIn to help you make those introductions. And then there was a part two to your question. Oh, what are they looking for? The people putting out the requests. Yes. So it definitely depends on what the ask is, you know, in terms of what they're looking for. But I will say whatever they list, you know, in their description, especially you would know this if you went after government contracts before, but even in corporate too, like RFPs, which are requests for proposals. You want to make sure that you're very clear on what the ask is and you give them all the information that they are requesting. Miss one thing and you're out, right? So making sure that you're very detail-oriented in that type, in those, in those situations where you have the details on what they're asking. But overall, I will say I also go and get feedback, you know, from others who make decisions outside of my company too and just kind of continue to do my own research again to serve my clients at the highest level. And one of the things, you know, that I'll hear is about the personal brand side. So they'll be like, I'll go and look you up and I don't see anything. Or, you know, you say you do this, but then you have this on your website. That's like a major red flag to me that I feel misses the mark with people. When you are going and promoting yourself as whatever, so say you're wanting to be a financial consultant to organizations, but then they go and look at your page and you're doing all these 10 different things. It's confusing. And then they say, never mind, because they don't they don't see the correlation. You have to make sure that whoever your consumer is, whether it's corporate or an individual, that the experience is the same no matter where they see you. So that piece, that consistency and making sure that it matches up is going to be important, too. And then you also, even though you're doing your minimum viable brand, right, you don't want it to look like you just started it yesterday either. So. Again, you want to establish that trustworthiness. So even if you have to, you know, get on Canva, Canva has so many resources to help you create things that look like a designer made it. So start there to make sure that you really put your best foot forward. You can learn everything on YouTube too. So just taking the time to make sure that you establish something that looks solid, that looks credible, and even looking at some competitors in your industry that might be working with corporate and just seeing how they organize their information on their website may give you some inspiration. But again, making sure that it looks like you're a solid company, like you didn't just start this yesterday. And even though you may be a solopreneur, don't use language like I or me. It's always our and we, right? <laughs> even if it's just me, myself and I, that's our. And it's not, you know, faking it or anything. Many companies speak like that because you are a company. No matter if you are one person or not, you're going to intend to grow. So making sure that you really just give that trustworthiness um, and knowing that you may be working with one person, but hey, we've got you covered no matter what. So that is going to be key as well with corporate organizations is giving them that um, confidence 
that they're going to get what they purchase. Wow. So, guys, Kirsten is in here dropping the gym. She done gave y'all a whole master class. Okay. So, (laughs) I hope y'all can tell she knows what she's talking about. And so, if you know that this is something you need to do, then you go ahead and you connect with Kirsten. Her information is going to be in our show notes. Now, I know you already touched on this a little bit in, in some of your other answers, but is there anything else, just some of the other mistakes that people make when they're pursuing? B2B contracts. Yeah. Um, so I would say the first, the big one is kind of what we already alluded to in the beginning is just not going after them at all. Like we have to definitely push past that uncertainty with support. So don't just go out here, jipping out here doing it. If you don't have any experience with corporate, get the support that you need, whether it's with me or you pursue another opportunity, right? Or you just kind of look at things online or whatever the case may be, get some type of support because there are certain nuances that you need to understand. I've given you some already that, you know, folks are just like not even aware of. But so it's the things like that that you need to know before going into it because also you don't want to be taken advantage of, right? So you want to make sure that you're not undercutting yourself. That's another thing that I heard in my research too from other supplier diversity managers within companies is that small businesses try to undercut themselves in order to get the business. That's a huge no-no. So making sure you have that support and actually going after the opportunities, I would say is the top missed, whole missed thing. Because I just shared with you like what the work truly looks like for corporate. I'm sure the work that you do for your individual clients is probably far more extensive than what you would be doing for a corporate organization. So it's not a question of can you do the work? You absolutely can. I'm probably 90% sure anyone listening to this could deliver on the same work that they're doing for their consumers to a corporate organization, right? So go after it. Two is, you're going to already guess this, get the support, have someone there to bounce ideas off of because you're going to be going into negotiations. You're going to have to create proposals. You're going to have to advocate for yourself and ensure that companies aren't taking your information and utilizing it in perpetuity, meaning forever and paying you one time. Like you don't want things like that happening. So not only having a strategist like myself, what I also do is I partner, we have attorneys that we are partnered with in the network that I recommend my clients to go and speak to. So that is also a part of what I do also, because I think that not only do you need to know the process, but you also need to know the ins and outs of contracts and make sure that you protect yourself in that way. And I know a little bit, but I let the attorneys handle that piece. So we also have connections with attorneys in our network for our clients to leverage. So that is another piece. And I don't want anyone kind of missing out on that. And also don't want people losing out on their intellectual property by, you know, getting into those type of perpetuity agreements and things like that. And you may not even know it because you don't have the attorney or the counsel to help you navigate that. So that's another big piece that I don't want you guys to do on your own. Oh, my goodness. This is so good. I'm sitting here like, let me go ahead and stop playing and get into these B2B contracts. (laughs) Um, Okay, you've given us all of this expertise. Let's talk about day to day life, right? You have a corporate career. You're also an entrepreneur and you're a mom as well. So how do you prioritize and manage it all? Woo! Shout out. Okay. 
So I'm going to start by saying, I'm not going to, y'all don't have another 30 minutes for me to tell this whole entire story, but <laughs> I'm going to start by saying that it's definitely have, has been a journey. I had my son in the very beginning of the pandemic in October of 2020. So I spent the whole first year of the pandemic basically pregnant, shelter in place, didn't know what was going on, scared, all of that, right? And working my corporate job at the time, I hadn't started my business yet. So really the time was, it was scary, but it was also a gift because it helped me kind of sit back and really look at, okay, I really have been saying I wanted to start this business. Anyone who knows me on an intimate level, they're always like, I can always see you leading something like, you're going to, you definitely aren't one to start your own business. So I kept saying like, I need to do this. I need to stop talking about it and actually doing it. So that's when I started my business in 2021. Um, I think my son was around maybe close to six months old when I started the business. And then I was going back to work for maternity leave and all the things, right? So it was a lot at once. And for several months, it was very overwhelming. And I think what I did to kind of manage it, so to speak. I just had to find a way and a swing with my son. So I would try to take calls at nap time when my husband got home from work because my husband worked on site the whole time. Like he never was at home and he didn't have paternity leave. I think he took like a week off when my son was first born and that was it. And he went back to work. Um, so I would save things for the evening when he got home or it was good because he was a newborn. So he took a lot of naps. So I was able to be able to do things that time. He always has kind of slept pretty well. So I was thankful there. So I would say it's also been the blessings of God throughout the way because he really gave me situations that made it conducive for me to do it because I don't really know how it all worked out, quite honestly. Um, and then I also had to shift careers too. So I originally was in a sales career, like we said in the bio, I was in a corporate sales B2B career. So that's how I know how to navigate these conversations. And that was very hectic. And I was like, okay, this is stressing me out. I have a new baby and then running this business too. So I actually had to make a shift. And it was also intentional because I wanted to get into corporate marketing too, to get that expertise. So I made that shift, got a job that was a lot more manageable for me, more money, you know, and really just giving me the opportunity to thrive. They knew I had a business like it was it was the perfect situation for me to move into. So I also had to make some changes within my life in order to make it all work as well. Um, so those are just a few pieces. And I would say today things are moving a lot more smoothly because I actually let go of the reins and started accepting help. I felt like for so long I had to kind of do all of this alone in order to earn my stripes. I don't know, this, this thing that goes on in our head that we have to do it all alone. Um, but I got help. So I got care for my son um, and I got an assistant in my business. And I was able be, to be in a point where now things are running a lot more smoothly because I haven't. So I still have hiccups. I had a call earlier today and my son came in. So I had to calm him down and get him something to eat and things like that. So there are still moments, but I would definitely say if I think back to like last year, it's a complete 180. Now I can breathe. Now I can really show up in each area of my life where I need to be at my best because I have help. So that changed the game and it's still calendar managing. It's still Okay, we're doing a podcast interview today. This falls during nap time. 
this is perfect. Um, but, you know, especially as he's getting older, too, I'm able to kind of manage things a little bit better and give him like a snack and just be able to do what I have to do here and for work. So it takes it's a balancing act. It's a whole production, but it works and it works with help. I absolutely love that. It is a production for sure. And I think you raising the point about getting help in both your home and in your business is so essential. Like I think maybe all mothers go through this where we feel like we have to do all the things and be all the things. I don't know what it is, but I went through that too. And now I'm like, nope, need help here. I need you to do this, do this, do this. Get the help that you need. Like we don't have to be superwoman. So I absolutely love that you have gotten to that space. Um, so as we wrap up, just let people know what you have going on coming up and then how people can connect with you. This has been such a great conversation. Yes, this has been amazing. I've loved just sharing some of my pieces. I hope that this has been beneficial for someone out there, especially like we just mentioned with the getting help piece. It opens up. And even if sometimes it's a little scary, like, I don't know how I'm going to make this work. Like, I got to pay people to help me. Trust me, when you open that door and you walk on across it, you'll see how much opportunity you have to bring more because you added someone there to help. So it's scary. But when you do it, you'll be thanking yourself for stepping out on faith. in that. So that is key. And one piece that I want to leave you guys with. So what do I have coming up? So number one is my B2B client attraction live event. And that will be happening here in Atlanta on March 11th. So I invite you all to come and participate with us. It's going to be an amazing one-day event live in person where I'm going to be covering my framework for getting into B2B. I have my lovely legal expert and attorney who is um, Liku Amadi. She'll be coming in doing a segment on the contract piece. Make sure that you're ready to go from a legal perspective. And then we have the amazing Deanna Jean who will be coming as the MC of the event. And she is so lively. I'm super excited for her to be there and to help kick us off and keep the energy going. So this event is going to be great. There is, it's going to be at a very beautiful location. You're going to be able to relax, but also get some very good nuggets that you can take away to getting started in B2B and also up-leveling your LinkedIn so you can get to B2B. That's the whole point. So the event will be here, like I mentioned, March 11th. Go to B2B Client Attraction Live. The link will be available for you as well to purchase tickets. And I hope to see you there. And then outside of the event, we have our LinkedIn for Legion membership community that you all can join as well. So if you're someone that's like, hey, I want to really get into this. I want to start to understand LinkedIn at a high level. And I want some of this Kirsten magic more of it for my business, then join us for our LinkedIn for Legion membership community. It's an opportunity where you can get monthly trainings from me and other resources on how to get activated on LinkedIn. So that is what I have for you. I hope to see you somewhere in the social media streets. You can follow me at Kirsten Allen, pretty much on all networks, including LinkedIn and Kirsten J. Allen, specifically on Instagram. So connect with me there. I would love to hear that you found me on this podcast and I hope you get some gems. Y'all get the Kirsten magic. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for coming in. And guys, I will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Mom CEO Suite podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, can you do us a favor? Leave a review on iTunes and share with other moms in business like you. Help us spread our message and empower others who are at this intersection of motherhood and entrepreneurship.